Welcome to WEHC 90.7, and you are tuning in to She Walks with Sharon Bowers and Carly Blaylock, and we are so excited to be here today. It is the first day of summer. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) And we are totally, totally excited that it actually feels like summer, so we're, we're excited about that, and we're glad that you joined us on today. And uh, uh, today we're going to talk about Juneteenth, and I think Carly has some official stuff, and I'm going to talk more from the hip, but uh, we'll go back and forth, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. We've been really honored uh, that Emory and Henry, we, as a private school, we were able to join the federal holiday, and we were off on Monday, and that was great, right, Carly? That was fantastic, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And, uh, and also, we had a celebration, and so we're going to be asking Vice President John Holloway to come and join us next week and tell us a little bit more about all of the workings behind the scene and what actually went on at Emory & Henry. But today, we just want to talk about Juneteenth, and we want to talk about it because, you know, it's a new holiday, a federal holiday, signed last year with President Joe Biden, and it's got a long, rich history. And since we talk about women walking to freedom and we talk about oppression and all of those things, we thought it would be fitting to at least uh, talk about that, especially in our area. So, uh, Carly, do you have an official definition that you want to share? And then we'll just go from there. Sure. So I would just recommend that anybody who's interested in learning a little bit more about the history of Juneteenth, um, there actually is a Juneteenth.com that talks very in depth about what Juneteenth is, what it represents. And there's a new um, section on there about um, it being a federal holiday now, but there's different sections about what it is, why we celebrate it, how to celebrate, things like that. But essentially, Juneteenth um, is the oldest national celebrated commemoration of the ending of slavery in the United States. Galveston, Texas um, was the origin of um, the observance of June 19th as African-American Emancipation Day in 1865. That was when the uh, Union soldiers actually showed up and said, you know, slavery um, is no longer a federal practice, right? So um, there are a few general orders that are listed here as well, yeah. Yeah, and two whole years later, and we cannot imagine that because we're in the 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 world of instant technology. Everything is at a fingertip. But two years it took from the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation to get to Texas. Now, I don't know. I think I don't know if Virginia has a day or not. But in Tennessee, we actually celebrate something called the eighth of August, which is mm-hmm. akin to June nineteenth. And so there are different days throughout the country that people celebrate because they that's when they realized that we president andrew johnson was the president and when he freed the people who he had enslaved on august the 8th there was a big parade a big picnic the whole nine yards and so in tennessee especially in greenville tennessee we still celebrate the 8th of august but yeah yeah so it's it's there's all kinds of dates i can't think of all of them right now but the 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 challenge i guess that that I'm thinking that we're having, you know, we had some people who don't really want to celebrate it and some people who don't think it's necessary and why a federal holiday about something that happened so long ago. But I mean, most of our holidays are about things that happened so long ago. They're just not about the freeing of an enslaved group of people. And so I think that has its own kind of uh, nuances that, that go with it. But uh, in addition to being called Juneteenth, it's been called Emancipation Day. It's been called Jubilee Day. It has all of these days, but it's all talking about black people 
realizing that they are quote unquote to be citizens. And you know, Carly, what's unfortunate about this is we realize that we're celebrating freedom and freedom still has not come in 2022, but it didn't really stay very long in 1865 either because we have all of the iterations of enslavement, Jim Crow, all of those, we, we continue to have those, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. And it, it is interesting, some of the pushback for, from that Juneteenth has received. And, you know, when you think about that pushback, I think there is quite a bit of it that comes from the place of like, you know, America is the nation of the free, right? And that somehow celebrating Juneteenth is like pushing back against that because so many Americans were not free for so long. And it is very interesting that we'll celebrate the 4th of July. I mean, just fireworks, people go all out. It's this huge celebration. And yet Juneteenth, there's pushback against it. It's, it's interesting that people are kind of leaning into that a little bit. Yeah, I think it was Frederick Douglass, and I don't have that reference before me, but Frederick Douglass wrote a poem or a writing or an essay or something where he just talked about what is July 4th for the Negro? You know, and so uh, he kind of brought that to the forefront that freedom really didn't mean the same thing for uh, people of color versus non-people of color. So, um, but one thing I think was interesting about this, there's this woman, I think her name is Opal Lee, and she was from Fort Worth, Texas, and she was an activist. She's 95 years old. Oh, wow. And she's still alive, and she was the catalyst for Juneteenth. So her grandfather, I think it was, or something like that, was the one who used to celebrate it or was one of the people who got the the news or somehow she's connected to the official notification. And it was passed down year after year after year in her family. And so she started all of this. um, As a matter of fact, I think they call her the grandmother of Juneteenth. (laughs) That is awesome. But can you imagine having had that legacy from your parents? She's 95. So she, her parent, her grandparents would have been part of it being enslaved. Mm-hmm. And you had that legacy. And here you are still able to live and to see the president of the United States sign into a national holiday, what you've been fighting all your life for, as well as what you've been celebrating. So yeah, I think her name is Opal Lee for those of you who are listening. And, and I think they call her the grandmother of Juneteenth, which, um, I think she was very significant in, you know, preserving the heritage that had been passed down to her for all those years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it also looks like Texas became the, became the first to make it an official state holiday in the, in 1980. Um, and it was Al Edwards, who was an African-American state legislator that proposed that um, and was pushing the efforts behind it to make it a state holiday. Yeah. And 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 that's kind of what has been happening. And they've been I mean, I lived in Houston, Texas for a while. And I mean, Juneteenth was stop the press. Every park you could imagine everywhere. It was, it was akin to like the Fourth of July for everybody else. But in Texas, it was like that. In Houston, it was a big, big, really big deal. So I guess, you know, there's just some things that, you know, you think about the whole history, you think about 1619, and there is a reference to, I forget who the person is, but the 1619 Project. But anyway, so you you think about this, you start 1619, African-American history begins in the United States. Now, I want to put a pin in there and say that African-American history does not begin with enslavement. It does not. There is a very, very rich history that predates enslavement, you know, uh, but 
1619 here, and then you've got 1776. That's the July 4th, Carly, that you were mentioning, where America celebrates its freedom from Great Britain. Then you've got the Civil War that starts, I think, in Sumter, South Carolina, or somewhere in South Carolina, and that's from 1860 to 1865. Then you've got the 1865, the Constitutional 13th Amendment, which supposedly abolished slavery in the United States. Then you've got 1868, which is uh, the 14th Amendment, which gave citizenship to all persons born or naturalized in the United States. And then you've got 1870, which is the 15th Amendment, which gives citizens the right to vote regardless of their race, color, or previous condition of servitude. So we've got a whole, there's a lot of history quote-unquote, herstory in this Juneteenth. So it's not just black people saying, hey, we want a holiday too, you know, and I've heard that. I've heard people say that Juneteenth is just black people trying to get their holiday, and and, and we don't want to ever think in, in terms of, you know, that you can't have Juneteenth and the 4th of July <laughs> because one is independence for a country, another is independence for people, and those right. are two very different different things. Right, absolutely. Um and, you know, Juneteenth, it, it celebrates the history, too, of, of African-Americans in the United States and everything that they've accomplished. And so, you know, it, it calls uh, awareness to that, too. It's more than, you know, just marking the day, although the day is very important. But also, I mean, the fact that there had to be this much fight to just get the day to be noticed in the first place, right, by the federal government. I mean, that's, that's its own thing. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of history wrapped up in this day. Yeah, and there's some fun things, too. Like, people talk about what kind of food do you eat at a Juneteenth mm -hmm. celebration. Well, it's really good because, I mean, there's some things like red stuff, like red Kool-Aid, uh, fruit punch, uh, in case you don't know what Kool-Aid is, it's akin to fruit punch. Some of you are probably young and you don't remember Kool-Aid, but Kool-Aid is a staple in the black uh, community and other communities too, but, but definitely in the black community. Red velvet cake, strawberries, strawberry soda, red beans and rice, hot sauce. All of these are things that can connect people to Africa and 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 also are part of the, the fun part about it. If you have a Juneteenth feast or festival, those are the kinds of foods that you can expect. And even sometimes some native food from Africa, like uh, uh, black-eyed peas or uh, yams or rice or hibiscus tea, barbecue, all of that kind of stuff you can, you can expect. And then just regular good old soul food. And so, to me, soul food is Southern food. I don't think you can actually separate. There's hardly anything that we eat in the South that's not soul food. Now we dress it up and do it differently, but we're talking about beans and collard greens and cornbread and fried fish and grits and sweet potatoes and ham hocks and hush potatoes. Johnny, is anybody getting hungry other than me? <laughs> yeah, you're making me very hungry. <laughs> but, you know, those are the kinds of things that we want to think about, the fun things that also go with it so that it's not all so somber. And yet, you know, we need to, we need to be mindful of how, what, act, what actually happened. And, and when we do that, Carly, I think it, it shifts what we're, maybe what we intended to talk about today. But for me, when we talk about the fact that America, the land of the free, the home of the brave, all of that actually had a couple of centuries where it was okay to enslave a group of people. And yeah. that we have to have a day when, when you say by law, 
you can no longer do that. And that kind of hurts to the core. As a person of color, as African-American, and I'm sure you as an ally and other people, that is the part about, if there's a negative part about, you know, Juneteenth being granted, it's the reason why it had to be granted, that a group of people could enslave a group of people for hundreds of years and was perfectly fine with that. They were perfectly okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, our show is patterned around the walk to freedom, right? Um, And we do talk about that from the race perspective, from the gender perspective, as well as, you know, sexual orientation and a few other things. But I think we bump up against that a lot because we'll get excited about something and then it's like, but it took us this long to get here or there's still so much to do, right? So it's almost... It's almost like every celebration for oppressed people has a double, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because it's like, yes, we're, we're celebrating everything that we've accomplished, but also it took this long to get here and there's still a lot to do. And I feel like that we're, we constantly find ourselves in that place. <laughs> yeah, and that whole re-victimization kind of piece, you know, because yeah. in order to, to you, you're celebrating something that you should have never had to celebrate and yet it is the accomplishments, the backs and the brains of the men and women, you know, black and white and other ethnicities who, who just got sick and tired of that life and were willing to fight, you know, the, it's an economic fight. We all know about enslavement. You know, we, we, we try to put it in terms of even now today with racism and anti-racism work, we try to say things like, oh, if people would just change their hearts, well, They didn't change their heart for over 400 years, you know, and they're not about to just change your heart now. There has to be some agitation. There has to be some advocacy. There has to be some activism. There has to be some of those things that go along with it or who would change? The status quo would remain the status quo. So I think, you know, that um, I, I agree with you, Carly, from the perspective that you have to take the good with the bad or the bitter with the sweet or you know, the sugar with the salt, how, whatever kind of analogy you want to use, because if not, you, you know, you would cease, you would think, why should I have to do this? And, and I think the other thing is, you know, like there was a lot of material out there about how white people can celebrate Juneteenth, but you never hear any material out there why, how black people can celebrate July 4th. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, know. we are all citizens. If we're all a part of this, I mean, do you have to use your ethnicity just to celebrate? So I thought that was an interesting concept is that there were articles and articles and articles. I don't know if you read any of them or saw of them, but they said, this is how white people can celebrate Juneteenth. Or it was like, here are some points for white people to celebrate Juneteenth. And I'm thinking, wouldn't they celebrate it just like black people celebrate it? The reason should be the same that oppressed people are free. Right, exactly. And I think we run into that a lot, right? That whole piece about, you know, well, this is for them. This is for the other, right? Instead of thinking about it in terms of like, we should all be thrilled that this is a thing, right? It's unfortunate, but yes, that is often how things are framed. Yeah, I I, I just, when I started seeing that, I was just going to look real quick and see if I I had a file on it, but it it was, all the articles were were under how white people can celebrate Juneteenth, and and Juneteenth, again, I think Carly said it earlier, but just a reminder that it is the combination of June 19th, 
So they just call it Juneteenth. And so, you know, we celebrate federal holidays. And so we were able to get off the 20th, most people who closed our banks and those kinds of things. And it was interesting that, of course, I think we've done that with a lot of things. We've gone away from really celebrating holidays. You know, most of our stores are still open. Most of our our places are still open. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's a holiday, but not really. We don't expect you to observe it in any, you know, in any solemn way or in any way that is really connected to the reason for the holiday. Right. I mean, I don't think there's no holiday that everything shuts down for. Right. Yeah. And it does make it difficult for people who, you know, don't work at places that observe federal holidays to be able to really observe and celebrate and reflect and do all of those important things. Yeah, and, and I think uh, they in some of those articles about why, what white people could do, one of the things that I thought was really powerful, one of them said white people should be working on reparations. And, um, and, and I thought about that for a while, and I thought, you know what, that's a whole lot better than Walmart having some ice cream that's Juneteenth ice cream or yeah. uh, bed, bath, and body or whatever, having some candles that they change the outer, you know, all those things. I get what they're trying to do. I get that. But rather than more, spend more time capitalizing uh, on, you know, this whole uh, capitalism piece, let's really start talking about why we have it and what are some things that we really can do. And and I think when you start thinking about reparations, and we don't have time to talk about this today, but I read an article recently that Asheville, North Carolina is actually giving reparations and they're giving it in the form of housing, which is phenomenal. That's the fantastic. whole, their yeah. council, their board, everything, they're doing it in housing, which, you know, because that's one of the places where, you know, across the tracks and that's one of the places where, and then even now with gentrification where white, black people lose out economically in housing all the time. So they said they could not give people money. They couldn't put necessarily a money amount on it, but they're giving it in housing loans and making it easier for people of color to purchase homes, which, I mean, that's, Asheville's a fairly big city. It's a very progressive city also. It's a, it's progressive from the perspective of the LGBTQ plus community. Mm -hmm. So I'm not surprised, but when I read that, I was like, wow. And so I was thinking about that. I know I got off subject, but I was thinking about that from the perspective of what would reparations look like? Because I think that's one of the, the real thing. If you know that someone was in bondage for hundreds of years and now they're no longer there and you know all of the advantages that you have gained through those hundreds of years by you being the oppressor and the people being enslaved, what would you or could you give back that is significant by way of reparation? Because we know that it's not 40 acres and a mule. We know that's not going to happen. Yes. (laughs) No, you're exactly right. And I think it is an interesting conversation to have about representation versus like material, actual, you know, doing something. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We have this conversation a lot uh, when we talk about what we call rainbow washing, which is during the month of pride, everybody changes their logo. All the companies change their logo to the pride logo, right? And yet a lot of these companies are donating money to politicians who are anti-LGBT or they are, you know, they're just not actually helping the cause, right? Yeah. And so it kind of becomes this, um, are we actually doing something? 
Yeah. Or are we just wanting to appear that we're doing something? And I don't want that to happen to Juneteenth, although I do feel that that may have happened some this year, um, where it's like, oh, yeah, we'll have the Juneteenth ice cream, but we're not going to do anything material that's going to help, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, people don't really know what to do. I, and I read this one article. I don't remember who the who the author of it was, but he said something, or she said something, They they said something pretty profound. And they said that, America has a lot of growing up to do or a lot of growing up around this concept of race in America. And it, it just talks about, you know, trying to look at the intention versus impact, you know, and all of those kinds of things and how important it is for us to, uh, to get serious about that, grow up around it. And I think that's how we get in so many challenges is that we don't want to deal with the reality of where we are. Absolutely. Having tough conversations is something that the American public has just not wanted to do. And it's still very recent historically. Yeah. Yes. And I think, I think that's part of what makes it so raw. I think people also lose sight of that too. And they want to put it in the past way far in the past, but it's not. Yeah, I agree with that person exactly. We need to grow up and have these conversations and yeah, talk and they, about the history and the yeah, politics and how that's impacting today. Yeah, and they further talked about without the reckoning of where we are now, and I think that's what mm -hmm. you're saying, without reckoning where we are now, then this whole Juneteenth or Pride Month or anything like that just becomes another way for corporations to make money and to exploit, to further exploit the very people who have been in bondage, you know? So uh, I think it's critical. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't have the celebrate celebratory parts without also having the historical and understanding the historical parts and the, um, the real ramifications of what um, African-Americans and black Americans are dealing with every day. Right. And that, that this is not something that is just that happened in the past. This is happening now. Um, it looks different. You know, their oppression is still happening. So, and, and, you know, having those conversations is so important. And I, you know, I hope people are having those conversations when it comes to Juneteenth. <laughs> well, and, and just kind of, you know, when, when I had to start looking at some of this, you know, for, for Juneteenth and I've been to several Juneteenth celebrations and hopefully we'll hear from John Holloway, the vice president for diversity, equity, inclusion at Emory and Henry, because we had our very first one this year and he billed it as the first annual, which means that we're going to have another one next year. So I think we've got a whole year to grow and to learn and to know but I, I, I think, Carly, we would be remiss if we didn't think about those people, you know, in the 1865, 1863, 1860, all of those people who, you know, I guess they just knew. I don't know. It's kind of like sometimes my mom says, I just know him, I know her. But I guess they just knew. One, they knew that something was wrong. Oppression, people always know, both the oppressor and the person who's oppressed. You yeah. cannot let us think that it that you don't know. You know, you may be powerless, not to do anything about it or powerful enough to try to keep it, but in actual fact, you know, but you just wonder how long it took them to realize uh, what they went through. And just think about some of the scenarios or the situations that were going on as they got to the freedom. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, you hear that argument a lot and that we could do many episodes on this argument, but you hear the argument a lot of they were people of their time um, and 
you know, slavery was considered uh, a practice that many people um, participated in. And if, you know, if you had lived back then talking to other white people, you know, you would have done the same thing, right? And, and it's almost like, well, they didn't know any better. And if you look at contemporary writings from the time, they absolutely knew better. They knew better. They knew what they were doing was wrong. They tried to justify it, but they knew what they were doing was wrong. And I think that's a very important piece that a lot of kind of general people talking about slavery miss. The oppressors knew exactly what they were doing and they knew it was wrong. And they tried to justify it to themselves through various different means, but they knew it was wrong. Yeah. And and I think when you think about it and you think about the power systems that were imposed at that time and you think about all the force guns the violence all the things that were used to keep that system going and so when you talk about freedom now and juneteenth and freedom of for black people living in america it's more than just oh you got another federal holiday it's been people's lives and all the lives the people that were killed and maimed and 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 uh, it, it just blows me away that we could have a holiday like this and there still be a debate about why do those black people need a holiday Juneteenth? Aren't they satisfied with July 4th? That's That blows me away. Oh yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah, I completely agree. I um, And I think the fact that people are saying that means we need to be having more conversations, right? We need to be educating the general public about why this is and What's also concerning, too, um, as a white person, I get to have conversations with other white people and they say things to me. Um, And the number of people who did not know what Juneteenth was or what, you know, had no idea until it became a federal holiday. Right. And that also goes to show there needs to be some education. And so many of them will not want to know about it. It will just be what what will work for them is this another holiday, another day off. So they're not unless you invite them and engage them in a meaningful way. And it won't will not be that white people will specifically and intentionally work with black people on this holiday to learn more about it. Some people will just take the holiday and do what they want to do. Like we do a lot of our other holidays that we don't actually observe what it's meant to observe. But they'll just take another holiday and and laugh about it, but not really, uh, you know, try to understand or even to to kind of start to look at why do we need that holiday in the first place? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Dismissive of it because it's like, oh, I get a day off. Okay, cool. You know, like not actually engaging with the holiday. Yeah, well, I hope that when we get to speak with VP Holloway, he can let us know the kinds of things that we've done at Emory and Henry and even the kinds of things that uh, is expected to do. I know last year there was a, a, a big, in Abingdon or, Carly, you went, we went. Remember when those people, was that? It, that was, was, in, it was in Bristol um, and you actually spoke at it. I'll yeah, shout you out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did amazing. It was very powerful. Um, But yeah, there was a big celebration there. A bunch of folks from Emory were there um, and a lot of local organizations, but it was a big celebration. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to believe that, you know, that we could bring that regionally to Emory and Henry. And I hope that VP Holloway's vision is that it just, and the community, because I think Jerry Hill and uh, Barbara Doyle, some people that serve on our community partnership, they were all a part of planning that. I know Jerry and Jerry Hill and Jerry Jones did the music and, and Barbara Doyle, uh, a United Methodist clergy, she actually spoke. And so I think there's lots of um, 
lots of ways that this can grow. But just grounding it on Emory and Henry's campus, and we I know we've got to go, but grounding it on Emory and Henry's campus, especially when we talk about memory and place, Carly, yes. and I think it's critical. We, we, we have to talk about that and knowing that sometimes in historic places like Emory and Henry, you don't always see the presence of black people or other people, uh, Native Americans, and you know they had to be there. So this gives us another opportunity to, uh, you know, a foray to move into memory and place and making it a place for everybody. So absolutely, That's I'm excited so about that. Yeah, I mean, we definitely hope that um, that VP Holiday will be with us next week to talk a little bit more about, um, you know, why it's so important for Emory and Henry to host these celebrations uh, going forward, as well as some of the highlights from this past Juneteenth celebration and some of the places that he would like to go in the upcoming years. Um, and also just maybe talk to him a little bit about that memory and place piece and some other things we can do outside of Juneteenth to really um, make Emory uh, even more inclusive. So we're excited to be able to chat with him. Um, and as always, if you all have any questions specifically that you would like us to ask him, please feel free to share those with us. Okay. Yeah, and we look forward to seeing everybody next week. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Juneteenth. We think it deserves at least two of our shows. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and then don't forget, if you want us to talk about something, we're, we're having summer fun. So if you want us to talk about something, then just uh, email us, uh, let us know, and we'd be more than glad. And if you'd like to be on our show, we, 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 we think that everybody should want to be on our show. So if you want to be on our show, just uh, contact us and let us know. We'd be glad to have you. Yes, absolutely. See you all next week. All right. Bye. Bye.